You want to learn more on the EUMDR 2017-745, so register to the Green Belt Certificate. It contains some lessons, some quizzes, assignments, and live sessions. And at the end, you will get an exam to check if you understand everything about the EUMDR. So register now. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we will talk about another IEC standard, which is the IEC 6601. Uh, this is a standard that is really important. And I have with me Leo Eisner, who is uh, uh, the IEC 6601 guys. So <laughs> we can call him like that. And uh, he's really an expert in IEC 6601. And he will be really helping us to understand all about about the standard and how it is working, who needs that, etc., etc. So, Leo, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Uh, thanks, Manier. Good to be here. No, great. Thank you for for, for being here. So, uh, Leo, as usual uh, on this uh, on the podcast, can you make an introduction of yourself, and then we can go to the the next topics. Sure, I'd love to. Uh, so, I'm the head of uh, Eisner Safety Consultants. I've been doing this for. 22 years, believe it or not. It's incredible I've been doing it this long. I've been involved with 601 for about 26 years. That's medical electrical equipment. And I've been involved in the development of the standard for about 15 years on many different committees, including the Interpretations Committee. I've been involved recently, more recently in the last year or two with the risk management group of the CB scheme. And very recently, I've joined the ISO 15223-1 labeling committee. I'm an expert, I was on an expert panel for ASCA, which is the accreditation scheme for FDA, uh, the CDRH uh, standards committee. Um, excuse me, standards and conformity assessment group um, back in 2018. Um, I've audited for several notified bodies, including NSAI, who I contract for lately. And I started my career back in 1985, believe it or not. So that's that blows my mind. That's exactly. 35 years ago. I started thinking about that last night and went, 35 years, I've been working 35 years, uh, and it was all non-medical back then. It was fire alarms, burglar alarms, ATMs, heating, air conditioning, microwaves, computers, plastics. But after nine years of that, I got tired of UL. I left, I found medical, and I've never turned back ever since. No, I think it's, it's really great. I, I like those stories because yeah, it's, it's really sure that, that you are really passionate to this, uh, this topic and all, all the information that, uh, that, uh, that uh, is linked to that. And uh, yeah, I can imagine that uh, doing that since uh, so long time, uh, so many years, uh, it, can, it can make you really uh, a big expert and really a guru on, on this area. And really thank you for being here just to educate us a bit more on this, uh, on this topic, because I think it's really an important one. 
one for, for medical device companies. Um, there is a lot of companies that need that, but maybe they don't really understand it. So uh, let's try now to, uh, to explain, explain to them what's, what's working. So um, just maybe for the audience, where are you based? Where am I based? In what a lot of people call burning Portland, Oregon currently. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I've gotten so many emails and calls lately concerned that we're in trouble because downtown Portland is in, is uh, having so much trouble right now okay. with the government, with uh, Trump. And uh, yeah, luckily yeah, can... we're, not, we're not having trouble, but uh, yeah. it's a little concerning. Luckily, yeah, we're not that. having any. <laughs> I follow the I follow the news in the U.S., so yeah, I know that this is maybe a bit a bit difficult there. Um, are you acting only for the U.S. market, or you are also acting for the EU market, or? Oh, all around the world, we right. we help everywhere, wherever we can. Mm -hmm. um, there are some oddball countries that are, are a little hard to figure out, but mostly IEC will get you around the world. Great, great for that. Okay, so um, let's jump in now to the topic. So um, for, for maybe some people that are, are listening now and that don't know at all what is IEC 6601, uh, how would you describe that? How would you help them to have a better understanding of, of this standard and, um, and how it operates? So the general standard IEC 60601 is for medical electrical equipment. Um, it covers um, all different types of medical electrical equipment from small equipment to large scale equipment. So it can be for infusion pumps, it can be for large scale uh, gamma equipment, it can be for a small uh, little handheld wellness device. It can be for a laser therapeutic device. It can be for an ultrasound device. It can be for lots of different medical devices. It can be for blood pressure device. It can be for any active, active being powered by electricity, a battery operated device, a wall powered device, a nuclear powered device, anything that's powered by some type of electricity. So it's great. Uh, so it means that uh, if you have no electricity within your device, you can forget this standard. We are not talking, you are not on the focus of that at all. So um, in terms of, of this standard, so um, I know it because I, I mean, I see all the structure of the standard, but um, there is so many so many versions, if I can say, of collaterals that are existing, so many numbers. <laughs> there is 6601 is the main one, but you have so many dash one, dash two, dash et cetera, et cetera. So um, is, there, is there kind of an end to those numbers because there is so many? So what's, what's that for? Okay. So that's where the series does get complicated very quickly, but it isn't as complicated as you think. So there are three basic extensions. There's 60601-1. That's the general standard. That's what I call the mothership. That's sort of this guy, as okay. I call it. This is my, was my Bible, but this is old. This is from the 1990s. Okay. So I'm going I'm to put it away. <laughs> Actually, do I have, oh, I have my newer version here. So this what is, is a newer looking one. What is the date? If, if you can see it. What is this the... one's um, 
This is an older version of the newer one. This is 2005, but it's also 2012. Okay, 2012. This isn't quite, that's not quite the updated one, but it's close enough. Um, so that's third edition with Amendment 1. That's uh, the general standard. So 60601 with a dash one. Yeah. So that's the general standard. Then you get to the collaterals. The collaterals are um, add in EMC or usability or uh, alarms, um, environmentally safe, uh, environmentally conscious design, which is 1 9. Alarms is 1-8, usability is 1-6. These are things that apply the uh, collaterals, which are the dash ones, dash XX, um, which I have a diagram that uh, you can download for show notes, which I'll have information that sort of displays the layout of this of the um, yeah, different structure. So format. Exactly. So I can I can get width. that I can get that and I will put that in the show notes and the people can download that directly. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so going across will be the collaterals and going down, I'll explain in a minute, will be the particulars. So the collaterals apply in a lot of cases, a lot of them will apply to many products. And the particulars will be specific to a type of technology. Okay. So the collaterals 1-2 EMC applies to every single uh, medical electrical device. EMC applies to everyone. Usability, unless you're in a really oddball situation, usability is going to apply to every single one, especially for FDA, especially for EU MDR. You're going to have to apply that anyway. Uh, alarms may or may not, depends on your device if you have alarms or they apply. Um, environmentally conscious design, almost no one's applying that around the world other than Brazil, and Brazil's only applying some labeling requirements. 1-10, okay. closed loop, blah, blah, blah. Hardly, very few uh, products really have that. Uh, home use 1-11 applies to products that are home use environment. 1-12 is uh, EMS, uh, emergency medical services. It only applies if your product is in that environment. The dash twos are specific to a particular uh, technology like uh, infusion pumps. Okay. Or... Um, Another real common one is dash two dash two is uh, high frequency surgical equipment. And there's lots of other dash twos. They they're in they're ranging up to the dash two dash seventies, I think, or we may be in the eighties now. Yeah, and and uh, so thank you for this description because it's interesting to have all, as you said, all the collaterals that applies to everybody and the particulars that applies to specific devices. And what I discovered when I made my research is that I find another series which is called AT six hundred one series. Um, so I was already struggling with the sixty six hundred one. Now I have the eighty six hundred one. <laughs> so I ask myself, what is this? Is it different, or is it just a continuous series of for the sixty six hundred one, or? So that is not a different series. It's more historical than anything else. So that is only because 
those are standards that were developed by a joint committee between ISO and IEC. Okay. Um, that's the only reason they decided to put an 80 in front of the 60. And so it, instead of 60601, now it's 80601 saying that standard was developed by IEC and ISO. Okay. And for the standard that I'm a convener of, it's 80601. And the only reason it's a joint committee is we didn't have enough votes on the IEC side to make it a standard by itself through IEC. So I had to go out and get votes from ISO as well as IEC to make it even a standard. Okay, so it's uh, it's, no. it's so there was politics on that yeah. side. It's 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 a growing, <laughs> so it's like a, a brother-in-law or something like that that is on the side. So it's but it's the same family at, at the end. So it's uh, it's great to to have that. Um, so now that we have better understanding, if I can say, of the structure, so um, let's say that we have in the audience a lot of medical device manufacturers. Which one, if I can say, should really Think of that. Think of those medical devices. So we talked earlier to say it's uh, maybe small equipment, bigger equipment, etc. Um, do you have some specific companies that really need to think about that because it's really a maybe will be a problem for them because they'll have a lot of tests to do to be compliant to this uh, IEC standard? Well, I think any medical device company that's an electrical medical device will have um, tests under the standard. So it doesn't matter if it's a small piece of equipment or a big piece of equipment, a bigger piece of equipment like a gamma camera or an X-ray is probably gonna have more tests involved because of the additional mechanical testing, electrical testing, and the complexity of the device. Um, but also, if you have additional particular standards involved, there's some products that have five, six, seven, eight particular standards. You're going to have additional tests that are involved because you have all these additional particular standards involved. Um, but so it, it's not just the size of the device or the type of device, but it's also the number of particular standards or the number of functions that are, are involved in the device that are going to determine the complexity of the device. Also, the application. If you have multiple intended uses or multiple essential performance, which I'll talk about later, I assume, I think that's one of our questions we're talking about a little bit. That's going to affect your test plan. And depending on your test plan, that's going to affect how much testing you're going to have. So uh, when we are talking about these standards, um, mainly uh, this is something that you will have to, to have all the testing. We should have to have them to answer a certain risk maybe for a device or a certain performance for a device and to answer one of the um, G GSPRs or requirements within the UMDR, for example. Um, if you are a company that is having those products, 
um, I mean, it's mandatory for you to have that on the GSPR to say, yes, this is the standard I'm using to prove that, or this is the standard I'm using to prove that. So you cannot go without it. So it's really something that manufacturers have to understand. This standard is something that mainly everybody has to really apply, uh, as you mentioned, if you are really uh, having a, a electrical equipment. Um, in the US, is this something that also they are looking at? Is there some kind of requirements that says you have to use this standard? Well, it's not quite in the same sense, but yes, um, if you look at the FDA, FDA does have it as a recognized consensus standard, but FDA looks at it as a voluntary standard, okay. just like most of FDA's standards are voluntary as recognized consensus standards, but you have a high bar to uh, pass if you don't follow the FDA's recognized consensus standards. Yeah, it's something that is really interesting because, yeah, some people are seeing the word voluntary, like maybe I should not use that, but really it's voluntary, but highly recommended, if I can say. Because without. Well, it's the same thing with MDR. I yeah. mean, state of the art and the uh, harmonized list are the same thing. They're really voluntary, but if you don't follow them, you have a high bar to set to it's pass. It's exactly that. So I think it's uh, it's something that you have to understand that uh, voluntary doesn't mean that you should not use it. It means that uh, it can mean it's highly recommended, even if it's just... Uh, so what's equivalent if you don't follow it? Yeah, this is the thing is that uh, if people are not following that, they have to create new tests, but they have to convince the agencies or the regulators that those tests... Or, are or the reviewer, whatever. And, and you have to show with risk management. Yeah, exactly. So it's it, there is, uh, as I said, a lot of things that people have to. to Why make your life harder? Yeah, it, 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 if you if you try to make your life harder, yeah, don't use IEC C six hundred one. But if you want to make it easier, so use that, and it's uh, everybody will recognize it, and nobody will really complain on on that. Um, Leo, so in terms of the IEC standards, so. Um, what is, I mean, we have, for example, the ISO 13585 standard, which is a standard that is asking you to build your quality management system and is providing you a lot of procedures that you have to build and to show that. Um, what is exactly the content of this IC6601? Is it for creation of procedures or is it only for testing or is it some requirements that you have to show um, the auditors or the inspectors that you are following? So what is the outcome of, the, um, of this standard exactly? On the front end, you need to look at 601 as the standard and look at all the requirements. And there's a whole list of requirements that say compliance is verified by looking at the requirement of the standard against the risk management file. And so you need to look at the requirement of the standard and build your um, I'm not quite saying this right, but basically uh, put together a risk management file that says, this is how I'm meeting this requirement based on my risk analysis for this specific requirement of the standard. So it, it's sort of building from your risk analysis from the 601 standard and saying, this is how I meet the standard. And it's sort of a, it's a building block. 
Yeah, so it means that uh, you are looking at your risk. What are the risks possible for your stand? Like, like we talked about the emergency, uh, the emergency uh, risks or medical. Like that. So then you are mitigating those risks with this standard. We saying I've done this test and this test and this test. So the risk in terms of emergency um, alarm etc. is solved because we have that available within this test. So mainly. It's not just going directly to the standards. You have first to work really on your risk and evaluate all the risk possible. So then you can mitigate those risks with the, all the tests that you will be doing for, for the standards. Mainly when we are working on the on the IEC standards or, or the IEC 6601, uh, as we've said, there is a big list of all the standards with collaterals, with particulars, with all those things. So it's not something that we have to, to decide from the beginning to say, we'll go through this one and this one and this one. It's maybe something that will arrive later when we'll be on the design phase. We'll make some tests. We'll have to uh, answer to some requirements that are maybe on the FDA requirements or UMDR requirements. And then from there, we can say, okay, we'll use this standard, so the IC 6601-2 or-4 or-9, etc for answering some of those requirements. Is it correct? So at the early design phase, what we do as a group is we'll sit down with a client and understand what the product is and then go through and define what standards apply to them. And then from there, we'll go through and review the product and define what standards apply, regulations, requirements, guidances, et cetera, and then start building out their requirement matrix and their product specs. And from there, we'll go through and identify uh, what their issues are and what where their missing gaps are. And with that, we'll go through and uh, show the gaps and build out their um the gaps and identify these are the tests that will be needed and with that we'll also show where their risk management file items need to be uh, filled in so as they're getting ready for testing they'll start filling in their risk management file documentation because they need to do that before they get ready for testing. They'll also have to identify all their essential performance before they get ready for testing because they have to do that as a step before they get into testing because they have to also set that up for the EMC test plan, So it's, which is an important step. This all has to be done before they go into testing. Otherwise, they're going to fail testing. So I think it's an important point here. So uh, as we said, preparation is really important. You cannot go it's and say- a huge step. Yeah, it's, 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 it's what is important here is to say, guys, when we are going for maybe some testing, don't just think, oh, I will apply IEC 6601. I think you'll have maybe to get some experts like Leo and really sit down, talk about your product, talk about all what you are doing and what you are trying to prove here. And then here you are building really your strategy for the testing and doing everything. Because, um, uh, Leo, can you tell us maybe the, the tests are, can cost a lot, if I can say uh, on that. So if you are making some mistakes or if you are missing one test uh, on your budget, it can really be a catastrophe for some companies that are really having some tight timelines. Yeah, testing can run anywhere from, I mean, on the really low end, 
fifteen twenty thousand dollars to well over a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. So it, it and that's U.S. dollars. I'm talking. Yeah. So it's something that uh, people have to plan to budget. And uh, if you have not budgeted that at the beginning and if you don't have the money for doing all those tests, it can be a catastrophe for your timeline, for your project, for everything. And you cannot stop in the middle and say, okay, now I'm done, I'm doing, uh, what What should I do? So uh, yeah, it's why preparation is maybe something. So invest a bit more time maybe on the preparation uh, so that you have all the risk management file, the essential performance analysis, the usability, etc., available, the test plan available. And after and that, you can- also software. And so, yeah, exactly. So it's 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 something that um, there, there's a lot of details. It, it's something that people have to understand. It's not and just time. It's it's not just one test to do, and then we are done. It's really a lot of tests, and you have to prepare that and to be really smart on this. Um, in terms of IEC sixty six zero one, we talked we talked a lot about harmonized standard or consensus standard. So. Um, can we say that, as we said, maybe this is really the, the state of the art for this type of equipment or this type of test that should be done? So do notified bodies recognize that as the, the standard that everybody has to follow? That is the question to answer. And I don't think every notified body has the same answer at this point. Okay. Because um, I got training maybe a month or so ago. Uh, from NSAI, who is who I'm contracting with currently. And we haven't even gotten our solid answer back yet. Uh, but the commission came down with some answer, which we haven't seen the follow-up document from yet. And they said, yes, use state-of-the-art. And we were supposed to get a follow-up document, which we have not seen. So I that's what NSAI is going to base it on, but I don't know that every notified body is going to follow that. That's our internal, what I've heard. So it's that's every, all I know. So every notified body has then to decide by himself. So this is the issue. I, this, I can't answer for yeah, no, sure. No, it's, it's, it's completely I, fine. I, I wish I knew, but... I don't. I, I think it's completely fine. It's just that, yeah, we have uh, a lot of people are talking about that. And what we hope is that uh, we have all the same understanding of this standard, of the fact that it's a state of the art for everybody and that we are really moving forward in the right direction. Because medical device companies don't like when there is some unknowns. Wishy-washy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit a bit difficult. Okay, so uh, so Leo, I think we have really covered a bit of uh, an overview of this, uh, this standard. So uh, now, how can you help the medical device companies so because we talked about the fact that you are doing some of the work uh, with them and helping them and also working with some notified bodies like NSAI uh, so how how um, your company can help uh, the, the medical device manufacturers well first I want to tell you about a webinar that I'm gonna um, that I've done um, it's on the 601 but it's on the amendments, which is something much more advanced than the basics that we just talked about. But it's on the updates past what I just talked about, because we just talked about amendment uh, about third edition amendment one. Okay. And amendment two, 3.2 is just about to publish, or by the time uh, the podcast comes out, maybe it's going to come out. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I don't know the timing exactly. Um, but uh, it's on 
the the collaterals and the general standard and um that youtube will be out i don't know exactly we'll get the link out to you okay and um it'll be on the series and some of the major changes that are happening okay so um, I'll, so I'll give you the link and yeah. you can pass it on great so thank you i will put so, that on the show notes for people to to look at the at, the, at this webinar so um more. and it'll be a big deal for okay. people to be aware of um so that's the first thing okay so how can i have for 601 because that's really what i'm talking about here so that's my focus so of course we can provide a wide variety of support um act as your compliance engineer to help you get through any 601 type of uh, support you need provide gap analysis on your 601 products against any 601 standards uh, help you in more detailed product and document reviews uh, for product testing review the product against the standard uh, review your literature your packaging your labeling product markings because all of that is involved in 601 there's a lot of labeling requirements in 601 uh, provide more detailed uh, training public or tailored training um, against also the new amended standards that are coming out and uh, we're also putting together gap analysis for that uh, also giving you gaps to standards regulations laws and guidances um, be a conduit with your test houses or as i say an interpreter because okay. that's an issue for a lot of people and lots of other things but okay. those are the major things no i think it's great so um i, I think as as i as I've said you really uh you need really to get some professionals to help you so uh please contact leo eisner so uh, so that he can really uh, provide you some 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 good tips because i think you have enough experience now with these standards so you can uh, really give them information about maybe some some pitfalls that can happen if you are not following this or that or maybe also some requirements from the notified bodies or from the inspectors fda inspectors which will be also a great source of information for for you to avoid to have some some misses on your on your um on your projects and to have some um, issues in terms of timeline um so leo where people can follow up with you then with uh, my email okay. leo at eisnersafety.com okay or my website uh www.eisnersafety.com right uh there's a contact form on the website as well at the contact us uh, link on the far right side i believe right or linkedin which you have my linkedin yeah. contact i, I believe and also my twitter uh, right Steve. so the handle on twitter is eisner safety so it's good uh, yes easy to very easy <laughs> yes <laughs> good so uh, Leo, really thank you. I think it was really um, important, I think, for people to really understand uh, this uh, major standard, IEC 6601. So for the people that are uh, listening to this podcast, so thank you for, for watching that or, or listening that on your car or doing your workouts. Don't forget to provide a review. <laughs> Don't forget to uh, to make uh, to make uh, any comments uh, because uh, if you have any question or so, you can go directly to, to Leo or you can ask uh, directly on the comments of the video and I will uh, share that with Leo as soon as I have it. 
Uh, don't forget also that uh, there is uh, some uh, information that are also on the website on easymedicaldevice.com. So uh, please go there, uh, go on the show notes of this episode and you will get all the downloads that Leo will, uh, will share with me. Uh, so download of uh, the slides that he was talking about, plus uh, the webinar that uh, that uh, we will share, uh, the webinar that uh, is talking about the IEC 6601 amendments. Okay, so Leo, really thank you. I was It was really a pleasure to have you on this episode and really thank you for, for coming. And uh, then I wish you really a nice day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.